1: We're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame Show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on!
2: Yes, sir! family Stephen Lackford on the pregame show I hope you had a terrific weekend and I think you can guess what we are going to talk about today Curry with the ball left sideline with 10 seconds to go in the half, guarded by Barton now the switch, waits for Draymond flipped it to him, Curry goes back door, takes the pass takes the jumper, three ball Stephen Curry with 3.5 to go before halftime and that was one of the loudest moments of the game where Steph finally drained a three to close out the half. And they were up 11 at that point, but they ended the game 123-107, to 107, winning game one against the Denver Nuggets. Now they are back tonight, and there's plenty to get to from the game. The three-guard lineup, Steph coming off the bench, but there's also something else to get into because... The finalists for the NBA Awards were released yesterday, and you got the MVP, the Rookie of the Year, the Sixth Man of the Year, the Defensive Player of the Year, the Coach of the Year. I don't know how much we expected any Warriors to be involved within those awards. Maybe Steve Kerr for Coach of the Year. But we expected Jordan Poole to be the most improved player, or at least a finalist And he didn't even make the ballot. So we're going to get to all of that today. Plus the Giants with a great weekend uh, in baseball. But with the Warriors, 123-107. to And my initial reaction, my first thought after watching that game was just, in Game 1, the Nuggets looked overmatched. They don't have the star power, the depth. To compete with these Warriors. I understand they got some veterans in Will Barton and Jeff Green. Will Barton uh, actually had a really good game. He had 24 points in this one. But this... Nuggets team just doesn't look like it could compete with the Warriors and what they were throwing out there now you had Steph Curry to start off on the bench and he actually had something interesting to say about the decision to come off the bench um, so we'll get to that in a second but I want to know from you at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. that's the Xfinity mobile text line as well as the phone number how are you feeling right now after game one are you changing your mind about the Warriors in these playoffs? Do you still feel the same? Do you think, look, it's just one game. Mike Malone is going to adjust. Tonight we're gonna see a totally different game between the Warriors and the Nuggets. What do you think? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. I mean, we're already getting texts here from the five one oh. This is from the garbage man Super Mario. Everyone that works for 95-7 the game needs to remind anyone that has a negative comment about this team during the regular season that none of those 82 games matter because that game was the best game that the Warriors played this season. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Don't ever doubt the Warriors until the playoffs start. Again, that's Garbage Man, Super Mario. Well, I don't. I disagree. I don't think it's the best game that they played this season. But that was certainly one of the most dominant Even after the first quarter, the the first quarter, the the Nuggets closed it out with only a one-point lead, and really, the only reason that they were up was because the Warriors turned the ball over a little bit more, and the Nuggets didn't, and they actually let Jokic do what Jokic does. The key to me, at least from a defensive perspective, and Tim Roy mentioned this on the morning roast last week when we were heading into Game 1 on Friday, he mentioned on Friday, The way to contain Jokic, you can let him score, which he was certainly doing. Jokic was doing whatever he wanted when he tried to score from the paint. You can let him score, but you got to limit the turnovers. Now, he ended the game with six, or excuse me, you got to limit the assists. I mean, I just said limit the turnovers. You want to limit the turnovers for the Warriors. But you got to limit the assists for Jokic. Now, he had six assists total in this game. Three of them came in the first quarter, he didn't get an assist in the second nor the third quarter. And the only times he did get an assist was in the fourth quarter when the Warriors were already up by double digits and they weren't letting him get back into the game. So really... Those assists, I'd consider them in, I'd, I'd consider them coming in garbage time. That's really when I'd consider that. So they limited the assists from Jokic, and they didn't let him dictate the tempo of the game. Now, granted, it was a slow pace for sure. It was a slow pace throughout, but I thought the stat line that Jokic put up 25, 10, uh, tw- 25 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists. That's a relatively normal stat line for Jokic. If you do, if you hold him to just a double-double with the way that Jokic is playing, I mean, that's what he averages this year. He averages a double-double. He gets that in his sleep. I'm totally okay with them doing that. And you let Will Barton get 24 points, but other than that... I mean, the the Warriors defense, they set the tone early in this game. One of my favorite plays happened in the first quarter, and one of my favorite moments happened in the first quarter. It was when Draymond was guarding Aaron Gordon, and Aaron Gordon was trying to go ISO with him, go one-on-one, and Draymond wasn't letting him do anything. That set the tone for the game. There were a couple of plays like that. There was another one where Jokic was being guarded by Bialica in the second quarter, and when GPT was in. Everyone knows there's a jolt of energy that bounces onto this team when GP2 is on the floor. Uh, but GP2 goes in and swats it away. There are little plays like that that set the tone for the game and what they're going to do. Draymond did that for the starting five. GP2 set that tone for the bench. Even though Jokic is going up against these bench players, GP2 still going in for the block. But It was just a dominant performance. What else can we really say about it? I mean, man, when Draymond was at the top of the key and it was a broken play, and then he hits the three-pointer, the crowd was going insane. They just knew... It felt like the crowd knew that they had this game. And the Nuggets just looked outmatched. But my favorite part about it was with four minutes and 20 seconds left... Four minutes 23 to be exact... It was when Steve Kerr finally deployed the three-guard lineup. Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, and then Draymond Green. And really, it's quite simple. It's a very simple formula that they run. It's put Andrew Wiggins in the corner. If he gets an open look, you can get the ball to him. That's where he's most deadly from three, if at all. You know, I know a lot of people aren't high on Andrew Wiggins, but that corner three for him, it's a very good shot, especially when it's in a catch-and-shoot situation. He's gotten a lot better at that this year. But you just get Draymond setting screens, Steph, Clay, and Poole running wild, and the defense doesn't know what to do. They were already fatigued by it. The defense had no idea who to even guard. And when they were just scattered around and going crazy... The Warriors went on an 18-6 to run. They closed out the half with an 11-point lead. Steph ended up getting his first three of the game, which was much needed because he was just clanking shots whenever he came into the game. But that three guard lineup, that is the new death lineup. That's the one you need to watch out for. They were fantastic during the regular season, and it didn't look like they missed a step. And that's what we were talking about going into this season. What's that three... Or going into the playoffs, rather. What's the three-guard lineup going to look like after Steph had taken a month off and you hadn't seen them that much? And in my opinion, prior to this game, they were just going to pick up right where they left off. Because these dudes... Steph? Star. Klay Thompson? Star. Jordan Poole? Emerging superstar right now. All of them. They'll figure that out. It's not going to take that long. And they did. And it was all led by Draymond Green. Essentially running point guard. Unbelievable game. Just unbelievable. From the five-one-zero, my favorite stat line was Jokic's free throw attempts. That's from J.D. Jokic only had two. He only had two in his 34 minutes on the floor. And with the amount that he was trying to post up and get his points in the paint. Got to give credit for Kavon Looney. Got to give credit for Draymond Green. And got to give credit to Nemenya Bielitsa. I know. I've I've been very tough on Bielitsa uh, on this show. But I actually thought he played a good game. Now, he did have a couple of his Bielitsa type of mistakes where they might turn the ball over, but it didn't happen all that often He wasn't fouling any stupid fouls on him. Plus, he was being aggressive when the bench was on the floor and they needed scoring. So I I thought it was just a great game overall by the Warriors. Just a dominant performance. But I love this clip here, and this is from after the game. Steph came off the bench. Now, how it worked was they were going to bring him in in the final six minutes of every quarter. Pretty simple. Pretty simple, pretty easy move. They brought him in toward the end of the game with the, when they were up 20 points, and that was just to get his conditioning back. Listen to Steph Curry talking about the decision to come off the bench.
3: I have no expectations on what's next. We're always trying to figure this out because this is a kind of a tough situation to deal with in terms of the quick ramp-up that I've had and you knowing this is the playoff type intensity and atmosphere. But I learned a lot just from, you know, even just watching Clays come back, knowing there's a, a energy to start in terms of, this that's what I that's what I do is what I expect but there's also like how can you make those minutes the most impactful and when I watched him go through it when he came back you know that's a long time he was sitting the end of the first and most of the second, and you're trying to find a rhythm. So I want to play kind of, I guess, a, a a constant pace throughout the game and knowing what my allotment was that coming off the bench and playing those six minutes in every quarter was probably the right, right move. And we'll see what happens with uh, me and Rick's conversations with how I come out the game and, and respond tomorrow and, and into Monday. That's what people aren't talking about from this. Think about it. They
2: got that dominant of a win 123 to 107 and that was with Steph Curry coming off the bench that was with him coming off the bench and he didn't even have to ha- he didn't even need any of those minutes toward the end of the game well, rather toward the, the toward the middle, toward the end of the game, because they ended up bringing you know Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody and bringing in uh, the garbage time guys. I mean, you knew the game was over when the Nuggets essentially had all of their bench players on the floor, while the Warriors had all their starters on the floor. But you didn't want to bring him in to start the game. Maybe go for four minutes, then bring him in with two minutes toward the end of the quarter. No, you give him consistent minutes Consistent minutes at the end of each one, and it worked out to perfection. I thought Steph, you know, he was struggling to get the ball in the hoop, but I thought he was getting good shots. I thought he was moving pretty well up and down the floor. I can't wait to see what he does as 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 far as his improvement because he's just gonna only he's only gonna get better from here on out. Let's continue to talk about this on the other side. Triple A 9570 is the Xfinity Mobile text line as well as the phone number. Wanna get to what Steve Kerr said about the small ball lineup. Is he going to play it? even more than he played it in this first game. We'll get to all of that plus the stats from that three-guard lineup. It is the new death lineup. I like the name, Pick Your Poison. I like that one. Shout out to Jason Battle. I like that I like that lineup name. I think people are trying to come up with a new one. We'll see what names... <laughs> We'll see, the, the the names are, the, the nicknames are just going to be out of control uh, by the end of this series. I guarantee that. Shout out to Clay Thompson. All right, we're going to get to all of that coming up next. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game.
1: is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Now back to the pregame show on
1: 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford.
2: is Stephen Langford on the pregame show. Hope you're having a terrific Monday after watching game one on Saturday. By the way, shout out to the San Francisco Giants with a sweep of the Cleveland Guardians in Cleveland. Now they're on to New York for a four-game series against the Mets, so that's going to be an interesting one, but... We're in the midst of NBA playoffs. It, it is hard to care about baseball this early in the season, and I love baseball. I really do. And I think the Giants look fantastic right now. Their rotation is looking like one of the better rotations in baseball. The bats have really started to come alive. Brandon Belt has picked up right where he left off prior to that injury, because prior to that injury he was hitting like 280 with 18 home runs, and I forgot the number of RBIs, but it was in like a couple of months, and it was just like, damn, Brandon Belt's going off, and he's doing the same thing. Captain Crunch number three, that happened yesterday, but the Warriors and what they did with the Nuggets on Saturday, winning 123 to 107. And I got a text here at the Xfinity Mobile text line at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. I also got Don and Concord, who wants to weigh in, because I want to talk about the three-guard lineup, and I don't want to go over nicknames because the Sunis bring up nicknames. That's what everyone starts to uh, text in, so a lot of you are already bringing them in. Uh, but if you want to call in, please feel free. What were your thoughts on Saturday's game? What were the keys for you? Are you feeling more encouraged going into this postseason? How are you feeling after Game 1? Or do you think, you know what, it's just one game. The playoffs are the playoffs. Coaches adjust. Mike Malone from the Nuggets is a good coach. We should expect something different tonight from Game 2. How are you feeling tonight? Whatever you want. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. But I got one from the 510. And he's saying, cool your Jets. Denver is missing two max players. Yeah. Yeah. And? like, wait, wait, What's that in response to? Me saying that the Nuggets looked outmatched because they did without two of their max players in MPJ, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray? I'm not saying that the Warriors are going to dominate the Nuggets for the next six years after this game won. I'm just saying, in Game 1, they were clearly outmatched without two of their max players. You're right, 5 Maybe it was just the fact that I missed out on that detail, but everyone knows this. They've been without their two max players for the entirety of the season. Well, for a majority of the season. you know, Jamal Murray for the entirety of it. Michael Porter Jr. Uh, was in for a few games. But that game on Saturday night, Game 1, it's just... It was too much. And really, the key for... Every single team, whenever you're playing a team like the Nuggets, whenever they're in the playoffs, is if they don't have a multitude of stars, which the Nuggets don't have, Will Barton and uh, Monte Morris aren't stars. Although Monte Morris had been fantastic against the Warriors throughout the regular season, and Will Barton had a good game. But they don't have any stars on the floor Outside of Jokic. So the key in these playoffs is pretty simple. If they have the one star, you got to stop their star. For example, the Timberwolves. They didn't stop Ja Moran, but they stopped everybody else around him. And they managed to make it a 130 to 117 game, but the Grizzlies didn't stop their star in Anthony Edwards. The Sixers, well, the Sixers. I'm not even going to pay attention to because the Sixers series, unfortunately, with the Raptors, uh, Scotty Barnes got hurt in that game, which just sucks because he's one been one of the best rookies in the uh, in the in the NBA this year, and seeing him get hurt during his first playoff series that was really unfortunate. But the Heat, they stopped Trey Young. Trey Young couldn't do anything. The Celtics played fairly well against Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant would have gone off, I don't think the Celtics would have had that buzzer beater to win 115 to 114. The Bucks and the Bulls game was just it was just ugly. I mean, I don't really know what else to tell you. No one no one stopped I mean, both teams were trying to stop themselves in that game, but the Warriors stopped Jokic. And what I mean by stopped is they contained him. He still had a double-double in this game, but he averages a double-double. He can easily get double-digit points and double-digit rebounds just based on his size alone, but they didn't let him dominate passing the ball. Plus, he was over four from three; just not a good night from three overall for the Warriors, or excuse me, for the Nuggets. They were 11 for 35 in this game, whereas the Warriors were 16 for 35, so they were much more deadly there. But they were just outmatched. That's really what it came down to. They were outmatched in this game. They were not ready for the depth of the Warriors. Now before we get to Steve Kerr and what he had to say about this small ball lineup that the Warriors are deploying, let's get to Don and Concord who wants to weigh in. What's going on, Don?
1: Hey, good morning out there on Radio Land. You know, it's really it's the smoking. There's a big fire in the kitchen. Chef's got something on the menu for everyone tonight. It might be some fish right off the dish. You know, let's win. Let's go. Shout out to everybody out there in Warrior Land. I love you.
2: Appreciate you, Don. Thank you so much for calling in. If you would like to weigh in, 888-957-9570 is the phone number as well as the text line. But Steve Kerr, after the game, talking about the small ball lineup because they came in with four minutes and 23 seconds left into this game. Mike Malone, said that they played the first round against Portland last year, and that was against Dame, CJ, and Norman Powell. And that was a three-guard lineup. And Mike Malone said that this Warriors trio is like that trio, but on steroids. Here's what Steve Kerr had to say after the game about the small ball lineup.
1: You get, get a Draymond lot of floor spacing. Five. You get two playmakers with, you know, Steph and Jordan. And you get Draymond at the five where he's most effective. So he can do his, you know, his thing in terms of DHOs and, you know, being a great screener, diving into the pocket, catching the ball, playmaking himself. So it's um, it's a good lineup. It's kind of what we've always done here, you know, depending on, on personnel, but going to, uh, to Draymond at the five and trying to spread the floor. So it's fun to, to see it. I think it's the first time we've been able to. Get to that lineup all year. I may be wrong, but we haven't done it often. That's
2: for sure, because of injuries. And they didn't miss a step. They didn't miss a beat. They had been fantastic during the regular season. Let me let me pull up these numbers here. Got a lot of notes. Got to read. Got to read through them. All right, in their 129 minutes on the floor, when Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Jordan Poole They've had a 121.7 offensive rating. They've outscored their opponents by 96 points. And they outscored them 42-16 to against the Nuggets in 12 minutes. That's insane. They went on the 18-6 to run to close out the half and really... That's going to be the key here against the Nuggets because, let's just say, they have a lead against the Warriors at some point. Well, all Steve Kerr needs to do is put this lineup in there if they want to get some scoring. Sure, that might limit the defense every now and then. And if you have a big man like Jokic, he can do whatever he wants in the paint. But I would much rather have a wide-open three and knock down a majority of those than Jokic has with open twos because all those guys, they can guard on the perimeter. Steph's defense has really picked up this year. Clay Thompson is starting to get back to it. Andrew Wiggins is great on the perimeter. Jordan Poole, he can guard on the perimeter. Sometimes he gets blown by, people blow by him. Like it, it, it happens sometimes uh, with Poole. But the offensive output that they are gaining here. Let me read that one number again, 121.7. That's scoring 121 points per 100 possessions. That's what offensive rating is. That's insane. And just to put that into perspective, during the regular season, the team that led the league in offensive rating were the Utah Jazz. Their offensive rating was 116.2. So you're getting five more points per 100 possessions, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. These ratings here, these numbers, they are so. It's so hard to gain the numbers that they do. 121 during the regular season, and it doesn't show that. It does not appear that they've showed any slot, any uh, any uh, any sign of slowing down. <laughs>
3: Could barely get that word out. Steph Curry after the game talking about the three guard lineup. I mean, you look at it on paper, you look at what we all can do. There's just a lot of space on the floor, a lot of shooting, a lot of playmaking. And if we can defend and rebound, you push in transition, like it's really hard to guard us. So. Technically, I guess we're undersized, but you have to bring a defensive force, and effort, and energy, and then you can again just turn it into an advantage on the other end of the floor. CJP be able to make plays in the pick and roll with me and Clay, space and Draymond setting and Wig slashing. Like you know, it checks a lot of boxes off on the list of like what would you want for a potent offensive you know lineup. So if we can do the job defensively, it puts us in a good position to uh, make teams kind of pay on the other end.
2: And the Warriors. Overall, out rebounded the Nuggets 41 to 35. 41 to 35. They had 12 turnovers compared to the Nuggets 10, but that's for both teams. That isn't that many. <laughs> like, like, okay, so the so the Nuggets won the turnover battle. That's totally fine. With the way that the Nuggets play, it was just a lot of iso ball in this game. It's not moving nearly as much for the Warriors. I'm not focusing so much on whether you win, the, win or lose the turnover battle. I'm just looking at the amount that the Warriors have, and 12 turnovers for this team is a very good number. If they could keep it there, because they had some early ones. They had four early turnovers in this game, which is why the Nuggets were leading after the first quarter. It's just because they had those turnovers, which led to fast break points in transition. That's really what it was in the first quarter. But then the Warriors started to clean it up later in the game, and they just got to a point where the Nuggets couldn't come back from all the scoring. All right. I want to get to Jordan Poole specifically, because what an impressive playoff debut. 888-957-9570 is the Xfinity Mobile text line because he tied a certain legend for the most points with a playoff debut for the Warriors so I want to get to that and there was an omission within the NBA awards finalists and Jordan Poole was part of that omission couldn't believe it we'll get to all of that next Stephen Langford in on the pregame show 95.7 the game
1: Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford.
2: Stephen Langford in as the big voice guy said. Good morning, everybody, as we are talking about game one from the playoffs. The Warriors take it from the Nuggets, 123 to 107. Now, before we get back into the game, but I cuz I do have a few thoughts on Chase Center and how it was looking for the first playoff game ever. I do have some thoughts there because I'm not going to lie, I'm starting to get frustrated at people who are just talking about Oracle still. Trust me, I'm a Warrior fan. I love Oracle. But we're in a new era now. So I will get to that after What I'm about to talk about now, because Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole was fantastic in this game. All right? He was the one who you know, Draymond and GP2 are the ones setting the tone defensively, but the guy on offense who was doing it all was Jordan Poole. Let me play this one clip for you. This was the play right here, which set Chase Center up. Matchup getting spicier. Gordon goes up and under on the drive. Missed it. Rebound. Clay. Chest pass to Poole. Poole. Three on three. Drives in. Goes up with a Euro step. It's good and a foul! He got fouled by Will Barton. He's going to the line! Wow. Just slowed it down just a little bit on Barton. Ripped it through and somehow flipped it up and in. I mean, what an amazing move. 30 points in this game. He was 5 of 7 from 3. 7 of 8 from the free throw line, and he was 9 of 13 overall. Just a fan, an efficient stat line for Jordan Poole. And you want to know why there are people who do not believe in plus-minus? Because... Jordan Poole was a plus seven on the floor. Now, he led the team in minutes, and I can tell you from watching that game, and I think anyone else who was watching that game could tell, that Jordan Poole had initiated everything offensively. You know, Clay Thompson knocked down a couple of threes early, the crowd was going crazy there, but it was Jordan Poole who was bringing that scoring consistently and running things. I mean, this dude was awesome. Every single stat line that you could think of, shooting stat line rather, was efficient. But here's where I have a problem. Now, playoffs don't count among the NBA awards, but the finalists were announced yesterday. And you got the MVP between Giannis Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, rightfully so. The Rookie of the Year, Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, and Evan Mobley. Those guys are the finalists. Six man of the year, Tyler Hero, Cam Johnson, Kevin Love. Shout out to Kevin Love. Defensive player of the year, Mikhail Bridges, Rudy Gobert, and Marcus Smart. The most improved player... Actually, I don't even want to get to that one right now. I want to get to the coach of the year first. Coach of the year, Taylor Jenkins, Eric Spolstra, and Monty Williams. And most improved player, Darius Garland, Ja Morant, and DeJounte Murray. How do you not have Jordan Poole on this list? Not even as a finalist. I thought he was going to be a lock to win the award. I mean, as a, you know, if you were a betting person, which I am, but quite frankly, I need to take a break because I'm losing everything. But uh, among the most improved players, I thought Jordan Poole was a total value pick. And when it comes to these awards, the way that they always disperse it is, you know, you could you could take it any way you want, right? You could say that wins matter, which clearly it does. With Giannis, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic, I know Jokic is among the finalists, and he he could win it very, he could very well win it this year. But being in the sixth seed without two of your stars on the court, and you're playing with that starting five that we saw there on Saturday, the fact that he got this team. To more than a play in game, to higher than a play in game, to a higher seating than that? Fantastic. And then the rookies of the year, that's a little different. You don't need to necessarily look at uh, the amount of wins because, you know, teams that are drafted within the lottery, um, they can go to teams that just aren't ready. And, I mean, Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes, both on playoff teams, but Cade Cunningham, very deserving of the rookie of the year award. He was putting up some fantastic numbers. Sixth man in defensive player of the year; those can all be different. Those are all subjective. Coach of the year, Steve Kerr could possibly be on, could have been on that list. But I do think there are some other coaches who are very well deserving of it, like Taylor Jenkins being without John Morant for a majority of the actually the majority of the post All Star break. I give him a lot of credit for the way that the Grizzlies played, but the most improved player. The way that Jordan Poole has carried the offense when Steph has been out, when Clay was playing inconsistently, when Draymond had been out, and the leap that he has taken to not only being one of the best players on this Warriors team, but he's been one of the best players in basketball for the for the past month and a half. He's the best free-throw shooter in basketball in terms of percentage. He has been putting up three-point numbers that are akin to Steph Curry. The percentages are in the 40s. And he just scored 30 points in his playoff game. The youngest Warriors player to score 30 in their playoff debut since Wilt Chamberlain. I, I just think this... This award, how can you take it seriously? And and he's been playing every game. I mean, my goodness. The way that these guys talk about Jordan Poole, the way that they, the, the, the understanding that they have a dude here who's on the rise to superstardom. I mean, you know what? If if he doesn't get a Most Improved Player Award, Fine. But at least he's trying to earn a new contract right now. But my goodness, like Dejounte Murray's on a Spurs team that couldn't even compete with the playing game. John Morant, he hasn't been out a lot of the season. John Morant's been fantastic, but he has taken some time off. Darius Garland's another guy who I actually think can be is should be on this list but to just not have Jordan Poole on there whether it's John Morant or DeJounte Murray I don't know which one but I feel like Jordan Poole should have been there not to mention the 19 straight games with 20 or more points that were scored toward the end of the year when they needed it most when they needed to stick within that 3 seed they were in danger of getting the 5 seed at one point that's how we were that's how we were that's how we were thinking from the 415, he's not the youngest to score that many points since Wilt Chamberlain. He tied, I think, Tim Hardaway or Mitch Richmond. That's not what all the stats are saying here. I just I couldn't believe it when I saw that. I mean, listen to the way that Klay Thompson talks about him.
3: Playoff debut. I mean, all his hard work is paying off. He, If he doesn't get most improved this year, I just, it just doesn't make any sense. Without him, we would not be where we're at. So, Dub Nation, we should be very grateful for Jordan's development and the type of player he's become because he's just incredible. I mean, what a star in the making. And as far as being out there with Steph and him and Wiggs and Draymond, it's a, it's a scary sight when we really get going. I mean, we've only been... This is really our first time really playing together.
2: And when you compare the numbers, and I'm just going to look at Darius Garland's compared to Jordan Poole here. Because Darius Garland, I'm I'm going to compare these two because it feels like they were kind of in the same spot. Darius Garland in his first season, he averaged 30 minutes a game, was shooting 40%. That's not terrible. 35% from three. Then last year in his 50 games played, 33 minutes, he made a 5% jump to a 45% field goal percentage, and 40% from the three-point line. And then this year, he was an all-star, and the Cavs have been fantastic. Yeah, I, I the, you, the Cavs don't get to where they're at without the way that Darius Garland has played. But in the games that he has played, he shot 46% from the field, which is just a 1% jump from last year. And he shot 38% from three this year, which is one percentage point less. He was at 40% last year, 39%. You can round it up to 40 if you want. But, and stats aren't everything, you know? But they make a great deal because Jordan Poole was shooting 33% and has made a 10-point percentage difference. He's shooting 44% this year. And then from three... He was shooting 27% his rookie year, and he's made that leap to 36. I'm just looking at this and thinking, how has he not been the most improved player? And not to mention the average points. Darius Garland had 21 compared to last year's 17. Jordan Poole has had 19 points per game compared to last year's 12. So statistically, in every category, he's made... Much bigger improvements than Darius Garland has. I'm surprised that John Morant is on this list just because of the amount of games played. And DeJounte Murray has made some leaps, sure, but the Spurs aren't a winning team. I just... I saw that and I was just like, man, what are we doing here? And you heard Klay Thompson after the game. He thinks that Jordan Poole should be the most improved player. Draymond Green was on his podcast. And whatever you think about Draymond... He's a very unbiased individual. He didn't even have Steve Kerr when he was talking about his MBA awards. He didn't even have Steve Kerr on the list for Coach of the Year. I mean, I think if there's any if there's any omission, it'd be Ime Udoka from the uh, from the Celtics, head coach from the Celtics, who's gotten them to where they're at. I think that's a glaring omission there from Coach of the Year. I mean, Taylor Jenkins and Eric Spoelstra have been fantastic, and I know that the Suns with Monty Williams have set a franchise record, but the way that Draymond put it, and I totally agree with him when it comes to Coach of the Year, it's that he went into this year essentially retaining all of their players, kind of like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, did this previous season after their Super Bowl year. They retained all of their players. So... You know, I, I think I think Steve Kerr, you can make an argument, but I don't think he I don't know if he deserves to be in the finalists there. But Jordan Poole to be most improved player, certainly that needs to be it. But nevertheless, awards even if they do deserve them, we never can agree on awards. We never can. But the most important thing is they are looking really good in the playoffs right now. And that three guard lineup, I was trying to think of a nickname for it, and I came up with the most, it had zero creativity to it. You ready? The three guard lineup should just be called 3G because it's so unpredictable. No, terrible, terrible. All right, fine, whatever. We'll get back to the game. 123-107 to 107 was game one. Warriors over the Nuggets. We got game two coming up tonight. Now, I want to get back to Jordan Poole and the rest of this game because the key for me, as we've been talking about Jordan Poole for the past 10 minutes, the key for me was how they defended Jokic and didn't let him Disperse the basketball. He didn't let him spread. They didn't let him spread it around. Where he's most dangerous is when he's at the elbow, and he's posting up, and you got guys running around, and somehow they get a mismatch on defense, or they leave a guy open in the corner, whatever it is, because they're focusing so much on Jokic. But they didn't let him pass the ball. I'm gonna. I mentioned this stat at the top of the show, and I'm gonna mention it one more time. Three assists to start the game in the first quarter. He didn't record an assist in the second nor the third quarter, and not until the fourth quarter when it was essentially garbage time and the Warriors had the big lead. That was the key. Like, he's going to score. Jokic is going to get his. He's that good in the paint. He's that crafty. He's got a variety of shots. I mean, he's made shots where he's looked like he's basically at a 45 degree angle to the floor, and somehow is able to get it in. I don't know how he does it as a big man, but where he's most dangerous is passing the basketball on top of that scoring. We always talk about how we're not going to let Jokic beat us. We're going to make somebody else do it. That's actually what they tried doing at the beginning of the game with Jeff Greed. They just left Jeff Greed wide open at the three-point line, and then he knocked down his first two. But When it comes to Jokic, if you can stop the assists, limit the assists, then you're golden. Because these other guys, Will Barton and Monte Morris, Aaron Gordon, who did not have a good game, Aaron Gordon went after Klay Thompson. You have made an enemy in yourself among Warrior fans if you go after Klay Thompson. But Aaron Gordon, you got to ta- if you're going to talk trash, you at least got to back it up. And he certainly wasn't doing it on the court. And I love what Clay said after the game, talking about chirping with Aaron Gordon. Um, just good old-fashioned
3: trash talk. I missed it. I missed the competitiveness of the game. I missed being able to talk to guys and talk mess. And that stuff kind of gets me going from time to time. So that was, a, that was a good time. I mean, Aaron's competitive, and so am I. And we're not going to back down. Thank you, Aaron.
2: Thank you so much. And it wasn't just the guys in the starting five. I've talked about the three-guard lineup for a lot of the show, but it's the guys coming off the bench, too. You know, Andre Iguodala is just that savvy veteran who makes these little plays. The stat line doesn't show it because he didn't score any points in this game, but he only took one shot. And what he was doing defensively along with GP, too, Love seeing that from Iguodala. He also had four assists to add onto it, and he uh, he also got a couple of rebounds too, and a block. Nomenya Bielitsa, for all the frustrations, he was being he was being aggressive. I gotta give him that, you know, just going right at Jokic when he found the opportunity. I mean, if he was open at the three point line. He was gonna fake he was gonna pump fake that shot, then drive down the lane and try and get a layup. I give him a lot of credit. Plus, he was going one on one with Jokic a lot. Jokic was able to get some points in the paint against him, but I didn't think Bielitsa did so much to just render the bench unit useless, which he has done a couple of games where it's just anytime the ball would get in Bielitz's hands, he'd turn it over. Now, he had a couple of turnovers in this game, um, but there were far more good plays than bad. Normally, for every three that he'd hit or for every assist that he'd get, because he's a good passer. He can, he can pass when he finds the open man, but for every one of those plays, then there'd be... Some bone, there'd be five boneheaded plays after that. There wasn't necessarily that with Bielitsa. Gary Payton second, bringing that energy on defense. When Jokic was going one-on-one with Bielitsa, GP2 came in with the help and swatted it away from Jokic. There were three moments where I'm looking at Chase Center, and it was loud. Well, number one was, I guess there's four. Number one was just when Clay Thompson was announced in the starting lineup the crowd was going ape bleep. Not going to say the word, ape bleep. The crowd was going nuts. That's number one. But number two is when Clay hit the three. When he hit his first three, that's when the crowd was going insane. Jordan Poole, when he hit that and one that I played earlier to put the Warriors up 45-43, to 43, then he was up for the and one. He'd eventually make it 46-43 when he knocked down the layup. That was one, and then... GP2. GP2 with that block that got the crowd riled up. Now I do want to say this. When it comes to comparing Chase Center and Oracle, I think it's way too soon to do that. I actually got a tweet from Rockin' New Era eighty four on Twitter. As you do on Twitter, you get tweets. But he said that he asked like has Chase found its soul yet? Is there an identity like there was with Oracle Arena? There's always going to be those differences. But the reality is, it's kind of like with the Giants right now. The the Giants just swept Cleveland, you know. But after all, there's still 170 plus games to be played in the season. Or excuse me, not 170 plus, 150 plus games to be played in the season. With Chase Center, we still got plenty of time here. We got a lot more in these playoffs to go. I think that it was a good first game, but I'm not going to say, "Oh yeah, it's it's officially found its identity as a crowd." No. It needs a little more time. You need a uh, game 7. You know, you need a buzzer beater at the end of a playoff game. You need something of that magnitude so you can tell where Chase Center's really going off. But as far as a first game goes, I thought the crowd was into it. I thought everybody was into it. Just, just a great game one. But let's see what happens in game two. You know, Mike Malone could make the adjustments. He's a very good coach, and there have been times where he's outdueled Steve Kerr. But after watching game one, and the fact that Steph was coming off the bench and he only had 21 minutes in this game, and they handled the Nuggets. I don't know how they're going to guard that three guard lineup. I'm very interested to see see that. Is Steve Kerr going to deploy it sooner than with 4 minutes and 23 seconds left in the first half? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm excited. From the 6-5-0, this is from Drake from Mountain View. I just had a thought. Draymond guarding Jokic kind of reminds me of how Stack Jack was guarding Dirk in the We Believe run. What do you think? That's Drake from Mountain View. It's a little different because Draymond, I feel like was more getting into Jokic's head, but I do see where you're coming from there I do see that because also Draymond it wasn't just Jokic for Draymond he was guarding everybody but I see where you're coming from from the 408, the three guard lineup should be called death lineup 2.0 Zucci main, Frisco 5 is the name baby and then uh, let's see, and then from the 408 I had Jordan Poole to be the most improved player so there you go, oh and one more thing before we get out of here because the Sixers were playing the Raptors, and ESPN was already uh, on the telecast. It was right before with the uh, the uh, Timberwolves and the Grizzlies, and actually the audio cut out for ESPN. So I don't know if you saw that, but Mike Greenberg and Stephen A. were doing and were doing this awkward play-by-play analysis. Uh, but Stephen A. was on TV, and he saw James Harden strolling through the players' tunnel wearing. What can only be described as... I, I don't even know what it was. But listen to Stephen A. What the hell is he wearing? What is that? Uh, James Harden. I don't know what he was wearing. I've actually seen some other basketball player wear that too. What
1: the hell is he wearing? What is that? It's
2: some fa- It's some very fancy Letterman jacket with like a what looks like a doll on his shoulder. I don't know what it is. I'm I'm sure it means something, and I'm disrespecting it, but I love Stephen A's reaction. What the hell is he wearing? (laughs) What is that? All right, Bonte Hill and Joe the Butcher Boy Chassis are coming up next. The Morning Roast. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining me on this Monday morning. And as always, go sports.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns